Hey, it's your homegirl, Ronika, back with the Please Do Tell podcast. So, you know, we're here for another good story time, okay? But before we get started, um, I just wanted to really highlight that this series has been amazing, and uh, we just want to keep this momentum going. So today, we are joined with Uriah, which you probably remember Uriah from season two. So you know how we do. We say, hey you want to come back so Uriah said listen after um my many (laughs) Facebook lives um (laughs) Uriah reached out to me and said hey you know what we got to talk we got to chat again so Uriah can you refresh the people who you are what you doing and why you gonna be here today yes so my name is Uriah Baker I am a community organizer researcher uh a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) just depending on the day uh, I'm born and raised in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Uh, currently live in Chicago, but also in Benton Harbor. It's a crazy thing there. Um, <laughs> a lot of us can <laughs> relate to right. that. Uh, right now, I'm working with VoteR, um, an organization that is trying to integrate voter registration into healthcare systems. Mm-hmm. So, some really cool work there um, focused in underprivileged communities. So, you know, my jam. Um, and what else am I doing? A whole bunch of other stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm currently uh, trying to develop an app uh, to develop or to create community for black and brown folks no matter where they are and no matter what their thing is. So that's something that I'm working on uh, behind closed doors. And, yeah, that's that. Yeah, Uriah, every time I'm just like, I just get just goosebumps because you're always doing something really cool. So, Okay. So I usually start with, especially with this segment, at the playground because I had years of no playground, Mm -hmm. um, no recess from fourth through sixth grade. So I missed out on a lot of, you know, cool stories as we were younger. So can you think of a story when you were younger that kind of shaped you into the person that you are today? Like, or it can even be one that was from five years ago, but just a story from the past that is like you felt like that was a turning point in your life, and it's like you know what, I'm a better person because of that. Even though probably going through that process, it hurt just a little bit. Oh, so I hate to be deep from the very beginning. It's all right. Um, <laughs> but my playground moment would be the murder of Trayvon Martin. Mm. Uh, so I went to Countryside Academy. Shout out Cougars, <laughs> uh, and I went there when it was predominantly white still um so I had a lot of white friends a lot of white you know uh, classmates and it was more the affluent black folks still that went there um and that created this sense of otherness for me so I wasn't quite black but I wasn't white white either Mm -hmm. um and then I was light-skinned so everyone jumped to biracial and I'm like okay cool let's run with that um, and then Trayvon Martin happened, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. I'm black. Like, yeah. I am black, black. Um, it doesn't matter who my family is. It doesn't matter that I'm in church every day of the doggone week. Like, none of this stuff mattered to the government or to police or to uh, anyone who wanted to do harm to black folks. So um, from that moment on, I became a rebel. Um <laughs> I remember <laughs> uh, B. Frazy, he still works there to this day. Uh, <laughs> and I was in Sharon Crazy's class. She no longer works there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I refused to stand for the pledge. 
And that's the thing there, um, because it is a fairly conservative school. Um, <laughs> they sent me to the office, threatened to suspend me. Uh, but me being me, uh, the researcher that I am, I already knew that, hey, I can't get in trouble for this. So let's try me, please. So I'm in there um, stating how it's un- like I have the right constitutionally to protest as long as it is not harming the class. Um, and that began my career in politics, activism, all uh, this fighting back. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So, you know, we worked in, we worked in, I feel like more than one project before, like with you saying that mm-hmm. you were a researcher, you were a community researcher, definitely on the last season of the podcast. And then, you know, with the um, other projects that you've worked on, like just being in support of that. So can you tell us or kind of send us through the journey of how you got to what you're doing right now and or you can start wherever. Why did you reach out and say, like, hey, we need to talk? Yes. Oh, such a good question. Okay, so uh, as I said, that was my turning moment. Um, And then I quit my or did I get? Oh, I think I got fired. Actually, (laughs) I was going to say I quit, but I think I got fired. Um, and from the job that I was at, and I'm like, listen, I need to do something. I need to be a part of the change. So then I went back to school at LMC, shout out to LMC, um, and had some really great people around me there. And they told me about a program called Organizing Corp, um, 2020. And it was an organization that was training, uh, college students to become a part of the fight for democracy. And, um, I'm like, okay, I'm probably not qualified for this at all, but why not? Yeah. Um, I applied a day late and, uh, they were like, listen, we'll take you. So I got that, uh, shout out to Siobhan cause she was one of the people, Siobhan Leonard. She's one of mm-hmm. the people who, uh, actually said something about it to me. And then it came up again somewhere else. So I'm like, okay, God, <laughs> let's try it. Yes. I uh, did that. They sent me to Atlanta for some trainings there for a week, uh, then, I moved to Detroit for about three months uh, to really engulf myself in the community there and fight for change there. So it was voter registration. It was voter education. It was a lot of things, really some community uh, community development. It was a really cool experience. And then from there, I'm like, okay, I need more. So I joined Arena Academy, which is a group of uh, campaign professionals. So they train you to be... Uh, campaign managers, uh, data directors, digital directors, which is what I did. I became a digital director through them um, for campaigns. Okay. And then um, during the pandemic, Spectrum Health, no, actually the Urban League of Battle Creek reached out and was like, hey, let's do some mm-hmm. conversation here. Um, so then I got involved in what they, the work they were doing there. Then Spectrum Health reached out and was like, hey, we see the work that you're doing. Let's get involved. And I'm like, okay, this is a really cool opportunity. So I did a research project with them. And then I also did uh, No Cap Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, which is yes. how I really got engulfed in this work. And yes. so then I learned about social determinants of health. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is mind blowing. Because I went to Countryside where we had a whole bunch of access to fresh food, where we, um, we're raising animals where we were learning these things. But then I was coming back home to a community where we don't even have a grocery store. So, um, hello, <laughs> listen. Yeah. So from that experience, I realized that I have a passion for food access. 
Um, and with the work that I did with, uh, I can't even think of his name right now, but a really amazing person at Battle Creek. Uh, he's going to kill me when he hears Are this. Urban League? Yeah, at the Ellie? Urban League. Yes, yeah, Ellie. Yes. <laughs> I'm so yes. sorry that I couldn't remember <laughs> your name. Uh, but we had some conversation and we started pushing this thought of creating a food access network across West Michigan. So we applied for the Kellogg Foundation grant. Um, it was a huge grant. I think it was worldwide and everything. And we threw it to, or not threw it together, but we worked tirelessly for, I think, five weeks to put this together real quick. Um, and I think we made it to, like, one of the final two rounds. Wow. Um, and we didn't get it. But I was, that made me realize how much um, our environment had an impact on our health. Um, and then you add onto that, black women or black men and I'm like oh my gosh what are we doing mm -hmm. so now I'm back in school to study um <laughs> international public health uh and I want to focus in urban communities uh so here we are and trying to figure it out from there so I have a question about let's go going back to when you said that you were working out of Detroit because I feel like so many people want to be a part of the movement, but they're also thinking like, okay, if I go to another city, where am I going to live? So was this something that they sponsored or it was something that you had to figure out your own housing? Because that's always a question that comes up. So um, for me, I had the really cool experience with working with people who were on top of that thing, that type of thing. Uh, so they had supporter housing available. Uh, me and, or myself and Shelquay Pitchford, okay. uh, and it's crazy because we went to high school together, didn't really talk there. Then we went to college together, started having conversation, and then we ended up living together yeah. in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then I helped him on his campaign. Like, you know, so yeah. uh, really kind of a full circle moment there, too. But uh, they provided housing for both of us. Okay. Um, and we both were from Benson Harbor, so that was really cool as well. Yeah. Um, and then they also set it up to where if one person didn't have a car, they made sure that you were um, paired with someone who had a car so that you were able to get, you know, from point A to B. Then with Arena Academy, they offered uh, scholarships so that, you know, it was really equitable. Okay. Um, and they put us in one of the best hotels in Houston. Um, they flew me out, all that. So the opportunities are out here. Mm. Y'all hear that, right? Okay. Just, just make it sure. <laughs> all right. So I want to jump right into um, when you're talking about um, like health equity and all that. Cause I know in that live video, I talked about how being in toxic work environments led to me having the stress and anxiety and ultimately fighting to not be on blood pressure mm -hmm. medication. Like this all just, this just happened like within the last year. So tell me a little bit about that. Like how, how are you partnering or just lay it yes. out for me? Okay, so uh, in preparing for this, I started asking myself some questions, and I'm like, huh, okay, if this is this, then how about this, and how is this connected to this? So, um, first off, I'll give the definition of social determinants of health. Okay. okay. Um, it is the economic and social conditioning that influence individual and group differences in health statuses. Uh, some examples, social, economic, uh, stability, Education access and quality, healthcare access and quality, neighborhood and building environments, social and community context. Um, so then I started thinking about what our community looks like. Uh, where are we interacting in our community? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. 
Um, and that brought me to something that we talked about last time, the church, mm. um, and how that <laughs> has uh, taught us certain things, taught us to think certain things, taught us to move certain ways, um, and especially when it comes to the determinants of our health, but we don't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or we think of spaces like the barbershop or the salon or um, what's some other places in the hood? Uh, let's see. Um nail salons, stuff like that, the places where we congregate, we're having these conversations. Some may be positive and some may be negative. Um, So then I started to think about, okay, what are some ways that these manifest themselves in our lives? Uh, And you specifically are a black woman, and I was thinking about that live when I was doing this research. Um, And some of the things that popped up in my head, black women are automatically the backbone of our democracy. So that's a stressor. Black women are the backbone of our churches. It's not often that you see a black church full of men. Um, It's normally, you know, the mothers, the aunties, you know, they out there. Uh, They're the backbone of our country in general. Um, But yet they still aren't protected. We don't treat them as such. We treat them as strong black women. um, And that manifests itself in our bodies um, as stress. And so the top eight reasons why black women die are heart disease, stroke, and diabetes, breast cancer, cervical cancer, fibroids, premature delivery, um, and don't get me started on the birth mortality rate for black women. It's crazy. Um, Sickle cell disease, sexually transmitted diseases, mental health issues, those are the top eight issues that black women are facing with their bodies. Um, And so then I began to think about, okay, how are these being affected by our community, our surroundings, Mm -hmm. uh, sexually transmitted diseases? The church perpetuates this culture of let's not talk about it. Just don't do it until you're married. It'll avoid all of this. So then we have all these black women, black men going out into the world uneducated when it comes to sex. So that's why black women um, make up 10% are the people who are most likely to contract HIV. I just read recently that it's no longer uh, the queer community, the gay community that is uh, reaching the high levels of HIV. It's now the heterosexual people. Mm -hmm. So nobody's safe here. This isn't a conversation of us versus them. This is a conversation of all of us. What are we going to do? Um, Premature delivery. Black women um, are way more susceptible to going into birth before their allotted time. Uh, In 2015, the CDC uh, said that they're 13% more likely than their white counterpart, which is only 9%. And these are affected by obesity, stress, our diet, um, the access that we have. These are all uh, outside influence things that we can change. Why you coming here like this today? Listen. <laughs> Just. Oof. Child. So. Because, mm, of course, you think about um, just the people in your in your personal life that mm-hmm. are around you, that are a part of your tribe. Yeah. That, you know, have, are either dealing with it or have died from it. Yes. Because it was, as you were reading each one, it was like, this person, this person, yes. this person, this person, me. And, you know, um, 
what can we do? Like what, or I, that's a big question. I'm not expecting <laughs> you to answer that. I'm not expecting anybody to answer that, but that is a question of for ourselves. Like I even, I'm such a huge advocate for mental health. Like mm-hmm. get a therapist, love your therapist. Yeah. I mean, don't be afraid. I mean, it's, it's high anxiety every week or, or every two weeks when I know that the meeting is coming up. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk <laughs> about? What, what am I going to expose this yes. week? It makes you nervous, but it's like once I get through that session, I sleep like a baby that night. Listen. Like a baby. For real. And I'm just over here like I want everyone to experience this. Yes. Especially since it's free in Ben Harbor. Like I want everybody to be to take part in it. Yeah. And it changes everything once you have that access. Yeah. I uh, went to my therapist last Tuesday. And we were just having conversation about, like, all the transition in my life and just uh, the people that I'm surrounded by. And she unlocked some things for me, um, just basically talking about how I deserve certain things. Uh, as a black person um, who's been out in the community serving for so long, it's easy to just give, 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 give. Mm-hmm. Um, I, haven't, I wasn't really taught to fight for, advocate for myself or to be there for myself. Um, and my therapist reminded me, like, hey, be there for yourself. You can't fight for everybody else. You can't um, advocate for everyone else and then not be there for yourself because then who's going to be there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not there, you know, you're not there. Yeah. Um, and so I really had to just start checking in on myself. And it's crazy how that one thing affected every aspect of my life. I went somewhere Sunday and I was just like, hmm. I don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to do this. So why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, so I just yeah. stopped. Because I deserve it. Yeah. I deserve that time to myself. That is huge. Yeah. Being there for everyone and then you're just depleted. And it's like, okay, well, how do I refill? Yeah. Because, yeah, my um, therapist told me the same thing. He was saying that, do you ever go on Do Not Disturb? I said at night, he said, no, during the day, like, do you, or do you feel like you have to answer every call unless it's, you know, it says potential spam? Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel like you have to pick up? I said, I guess I don't. I guess I don't. He said, no, you need that time to just say, you know, no. Yeah. I'm not doing it, especially on the weekend. Like, on the weekend, I'm definitely like, oh, yeah, I'm free. I'm, I can talk. Listen, okay. And then you look up, and it's, it's Sunday at 8 p.m., and you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. I don't know if I can get through the week. Yeah. Because... I've been going nonstop, so that, whew. And that's the thing. You're trying to balance the social life on top of that, mm-hmm. too, and taking care of yourself. Baby, it's tiring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually just sent in the group chat the other day, like, y'all are always on Do Not Disturb. Who are y'all hiding from? Yeah. Um, but thinking about it now, listen, maybe I need to be on Do Not Disturb mm-hmm. because I'm available 24-7 yeah. for whoever needs me whenever they need me. Um, but y'all, that stops now. <laughs> I don't know which camera I need to look in. But just know. <laughs> Thank you, Ronika. That stops now. Okay, so I want you to tell me if you said it's vote ER or is vote, vote ER. Okay. So um, it's a play on words because we are trying to integrate voter registration into healthcare systems. Yeah. Um, or healthcare spaces in general. Oof. And y'all. 
<laughs> when I tell y'all I have never been so excited to work with slash for an organization, it is amazing because it crosses two things that I'm super passionate about, healthcare and politics. Mm. Uh, so I'll just give you a little blurb of what it is. VODR is a nonpartisan group of healthcare professionals, social workers, activists, and civil health professionals, uh, and more, who believe in a truly democratic process um, and aspires towards an American democracy that is inclusive to all and creates a healthy community uh, powered by inclusive democracy. That was a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, in 20, since 2019, we've expanded across 500 hospitals, healthcare centers, and clinics across the country. Yes. Uh, we're trying to integrate voter registration into healthcare delivery systems. Uh, just like when you go to the DMV and they ask you, are you registered yeah, to vote? Yes. Nobody thinks twice about it there. Yes. But hospitals and healthcare systems are one of the only places that touches every group of people. Now, granted, they might not want every insurance. They might not, you know. Yeah. But you know what can change that? Voting. Maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> when we get out to vote, things happen. <laughs> things changes. Um, and we were just talking about, as a team, as a group, um, about the Roe v. Wade thing. And listen, we're nonpartisan. So as an organization, we have no opinion on it. Yeah. But we want your opinion to be heard. Yeah. Whether it's for, whether it's against abortion, we support a woman's right to her body. So, therefore, you need to be out there yeah. having that conversation, no matter what that conversation is. And earlier you asked, um, what's the answer to these problems? I can tell you. Community. The more community that we build, the more that we have these conversations at the dinner table, at Tables like this, mm -hmm. at the barbershop, at the nail salon, at the hair salon, the more we have these hard conversations, the more things happen, the more things change. Because I can hold you accountable if you're not outvoting. Um, last election cycle, I asked my friends in the group chat, like, hey, have y'all voted yet? Mm -hmm. Oh, y'all haven't? Let's go. We all going yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. So we all pull up to the same um, place to vote. And um, granted, all of us aren't at the same place, of yeah, course, polling yeah, location. Yeah. Um, so then we did a polling location tour. We bouncing around the city, going to everybody polling location because we're all voting because we've had this conversation. And so now I'm able to hold my friends accountable. What? Yes. Oh, wow. It's almost like a voting caravan or something. Yes. Yes. I love that. And another thing that we're doing at VoteR, we realize that healthcare professionals don't vote. And it's not always because, like, oh, they just don't want to vote. But it's because, you know, they're working those long hours, you know, that kind of thing. So we're also trying to make voter access just more uh, visible in general for all healthcare professionals. Listen, you know that uh, this community is facing an opioid crisis. You're seeing it every day. Mm -hmm. So why would you not go out there and vote? to make sure that things are being actioned to prevent these people from even being here. Mm -hmm. Because, listen, if our education systems were better, if our healthcare systems were better, if our community systems in general were better, I guarantee you our emergency rooms would not be as full. There, um, there was a conversation before, and I can't remember if it was 63, 81, or 67, 81 with the... 
um, life expectancy with oh, Ben yes. Harbor versus St. Joseph. Yes. And I was able to tell the story of like my experience with my dad going back and forth to the hospital and how he died before the age of, I said he, he died before 63. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he died before, was he 63? Goodness. Cause I have to think my parents are a year apart. So he was probably 63 finna be 64 that okay. year. And we just looked at it like, what what could have been done? Because we just felt like he went down so fast. Mm -hmm. But it was also he didn't trust a lot of the things that were going on within the healthcare system. And I was just thinking like, gosh, it was was literally life or death with that. Like, I'm not going back to the doctor because I don't feel treated as X, Y, and Z. He said, even though my insurance is the best. Mm-hmm. He still didn't feel like I'm getting the best access possible. So I think that's even a conversation that we need to have, too. Yeah. Is how do you feel comfortable even advocating for yourself going into these places? What questions to ask? And when you really feel like, okay, this 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 facility or this person is not working out for me as far as long term, how I want my health journey to be, that you have the opportunity to go other places. But I think a lot of people are just kind of like, I feel like I'm stuck in this box. I can only go to this mm-hmm. one place. So yeah, there's so many conversations that need to be had. And I mean, on top of that, going back to when you said grocery store, like I can remember growing up in Ben Heights and there was Eagles grocery yeah. store. Now it's Eagles liquor store. Yeah. Or convenience store, yeah. you know? So, <sighs> And then just think about how things like even that affects our health. Yeah, It turned from a grocery store to a liquor store, something that's not super healthy for you, yeah. not super great for you, but it's now in our community yeah. that replaced a grocery store that we, quite frankly, needed. Yeah. And it's, oh, this is uh, yeah. <laughs> like one of those topics that I could do a whole soapbox moment on yeah. because it's just crazy in communities like ours. I talked about it last time. Um, the mom having to send her kid to the corner store to get a Pop-Tart. Mm-hmm. And then that kid eating the Pop-Tart for breakfast and then going to school, they're crashing. So then they're falling asleep in class. So then they get kicked out of class. So now they're missing out on valuable learning time. Like it's just a never ending cycle in communities like ours. Uh, but another thing that we're trying to do at VODR is educate our healthcare professionals to be able to identify these things. Mm. Uh, because, Let's be real. For a long time, black and brown folks were excluded from these conversations. So they didn't know to ask these questions. Yeah. They didn't know to ask, uh, when was the last time you changed your, uh, what do you call it, the filter for your uh, heater? Like, things like that. That affects us. Asthma. Like, yeah. these things are connected. Yeah. These aren't just happening by chance, the sh- amount of stress that we have. So are you employed? Are you not employed? Like, these questions matter because they're telling a story about what's happening in our communities. You're right. We could go on and on Listen. and on. Okay. So if someone was to ask you right now, and like even an elevator pitch or something like that. What is your why as of today? Like you're mm. saying, like what is what is my mission? What is my purpose? If you can really think about that, like you 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 would say that you know I've transitioned to different places, I've been in different roles, but as of today, which you feel like going forward, what is your why? What are you? What is your purpose in life? 
Uh, to create community. Mm. Uh, and everything that I do, I am trying to create community in my spiritual walk. I'm trying to create community between us and God. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my natural walk, I'm trying to create community uh, in communities like ours. Because quite frankly, that's what we're missing. We're missing community. Uh, I think about when my mother was being raised uh, in this city. Uh, the amount of accountability that we had to our neighbors, the accountability that we had to our local assembly, whether that be a church, a mosque, uh, a synagogue, there was a level of accountability there. Mm -hmm. There was accountability to uh, us and the teacher, us and the police department. Like there was a level of accountability and vice versa. Those same systems that uh, we were supposed to be holding or that were holding us accountable, we were holding them accountable. There's none of that anymore. Mm. Our government works because of a system of checks and balances. Unfortunately, we've let go of that system of checks and balances. I've been um, saying this over and over and over again, so it probably sounds like I just learned the statistics, so I'm like (laughs) spewing it out. But (laughs) democracy only lasts every 250, or for 250 years. We're at year 246. So we have to do something. And I think the answer to all of this is community. Um, I know that you have a thing for storytelling. Mm -hmm. We build community through storytelling, through having conversations like this. I learn more about you. You learn more about me and the struggle that we're going through. Mm -hmm. And we find solutions. Right. Uh, There is a, I can't think of the actual term for it right now. But there's a term for when we create handicap accessible things in our everyday life, um, and it tends to help us, too. So, for example, that uh, dip in the sidewalk, Mm -hmm. we've all used that to tow something up or to slide something down, and those are created for people in wheelchairs. So when we have conversations like this, we find solutions that answer problems for both you and me. Yeah. So that's my why. Create community. (sighs) (laughs) okay so we're gonna wrap up pretty soon so i want you to be thinking about um what would what would you want the listeners the viewers to have like the biggest takeaway like if you could we all we always uh, joke about final thoughts with jerry springer but Mm -hmm. it's not (laughs) you know it's like you went through all which this was not a, a time of mess or anything like that totally different from that but what would be the what would you want people to think like man I need to really chew on that I need to really think about that what's your what would be one of the biggest takeaways that you want for people that are listening and watching yes so I thought about this question a lot uh, before I got here and organizing we call it uh, your hard ask mm. um, <laughs> there's a K at the end of there I promise hard ask so. <laughs> We're in the basement of a church. Maybe I like I got some sense. No. <laughs> but after thinking about it long and hard, uh, I decided that I wanted my ask to be for all of us to have a conversation, number one, with our healthcare providers, to ask them, what are you doing to be a part of your community? Not just to be in a community, but to be in community with your community. That sounded really weird, but... You get the point. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one of the conversations. And if they don't know, connect them to me at (laughs) Vodiar. 
Um, shameless plug. Uh, but then also get out and vote. I know that this is not a um, presidential cycle, so you're not hearing it as much. Uh, but we still have primaries going on. We still have local elections going on. Yeah. And I tell people all the time to think globally but act locally. Because what we do on this local stage matters in the grand scheme of things. The people that we put in office, again, the conversations that we have to put them in office, it matters. Uh, so with that being said, I would just like to shamelessly plug uh, that Michigan's primaries are August 2nd. Uh, Michigan has same-day voter registration. If you're not sure if you're vote registered to vote, if you've moved, if you change location, whatever the case might be, uh, you can hit me up again because... I can put you on to where you need to be, uh, what you need to do. And then our general voter registration or gender, let's gender. gender. <laughs> Apparently I've been talking too long. Okay. Look, don't play with me because I sit a bar. Uh, <laughs> general, <laughs> general election um, is November 8th. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. It's Uriah Baker on Facebook and on Instagram, Blackology203, because, baby, I am teaching y'all some things. Okay. Every and Yuri be doing things on TikTok. I don't really do nothing there, but I'm trying to stay young and relevant. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, I put my videos up. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting views like my best friend, Alicia. Shout out to Eventually Simple. Because <laughs> uh, she slayed prom this last, hey. uh, last, last Saturday. Um, so... Yeah, Uriah, man, thank you for coming. Thank you for having That's me. A, so I'm going to have all of Uriah's contact info in the show notes. So mm -hmm. you, so don't be hitting me up tomorrow. Yeah, read the notes. <laughs> it's going to be in the notes. You can find Uriah, you said, on Instagram, yes. building TikTok. Yes. He's on Facebook, but don't try to add him on Facebook because, listen, <laughs> don't. Like, it's two totally different people. So it is. All of them are very different people. <laughs> so, again, this is your homegirl, Ronika, with the Please Do Tell podcast. We are still doing the What's Your Why series, but we had Uriah check, hanging out with us today. And we hope that, again come back again because it's always good energy yes. and good information because we're dropping gems okay okay so we'll see you next time Ooh.